Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, March 20th. It is the first day of spring. Yay! And today I am speaking to one of my favorite humans on the planet, Dr. Kelly Dell. Now, Kelly is a mental performance consultant who specializes in sustainable fitness. He has a whack load of credentials, including the fact he is a former university lecturer. He holds a doctorate in population health, a master's in sports physical activity and health intervention, and he is a professional member of the Canadian Sports Psychology Association. Now, last week in the episode titled My Motivational Reset, I referenced Kelly and the impact he has made on my life. Well, lucky us, (laughs) today he has graciously come back to the show so that we can dive deeper in the topic of motivation fitness mind games, and how culture has an effect on the way we feel about health and fitness today. This is a great episode for anyone who feels stuck or unmotivated, or who feel that their way isn't working anymore, or for anyone who just doesn't feel like it, which by the way is the title of Kelly's new hot off the press book. Even if you are a loyal fitness expert, This episode has some valuable tips and tricks on how to stay motivated in all areas of your life, be it work, family life, or personal growth. Okay, with all of that being said, let's get started. Hello, Kelly. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited um, to continue our conversation on... I guess, finding your feel. A lot has happened since you've been on the show. Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a year. I think we recorded the last episode with you, which uh, for anyone listening that's new and hasn't listened um, to the first one, it's called Find Your Feel with Dr. Kelly Dell. Um, I think it was like Valentine's Day of last year, 2018. Yes. So <clears throat> just over a year. And mm-hmm. I think that time it was, uh, we talked a lot about the idea of it being Valentine's Day and fitness as a relationship. So yes, yes. And I'm not one for metaphors, as you know. (laughs) So of course I took advantage of that day and yeah, so that was great. So that was a year ago, over a year ago now. Yeah. So we talked all about the, yeah, like you said, the relationship with fitness. Um, but since then you have really, um, you've really done a lot of work. So your book feel like it, has come out just it just launched like when when last week two weeks ago the uh official launch was yeah march 10th so i guess that's what almost two weeks ago yeah Yeah, yeah. amazing and you uh now have a podcast as well called happily ever active very cool um that's that started like at the beginning of february or something or mid-february pretty much it was almost on a whim but uh yeah middle of january i started recording and there's I think this week will be the 10th episode. So that has gone by super fast already. I can't believe that it's at 10. I mean, as yeah. you know, it yeah. just every week you have something to do and 
Yeah, that's been going, and I've really enjoyed that part of all of this uh, more than I ever imagined. So, so the when it, the main sort of um, underlying tone of all of this stuff is how um, you like basically all of this stuff like walks people through the cultural and physical barriers that come up with motivation and finding their fit and feeling good in their bodies. Um, so. Talk to me about, talk to me about your philosophy in this. Like what, what do you, what do you, Dr. Kelly Dell, what do you stand for in terms of this? And we're going to get deeper into all these things, but just like maybe tell everyone what's your motivation. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, yeah. that's probably one of the first time I've, I've, someone's asked me like, well, what's your motivation behind writing all of this stuff? And like, I have my own fitness history, which maybe we'll get into my own exercise history um, yeah. too, but in terms of the philosophy, the reason why I'm even sitting here talking about this book and really connecting um, some of these ideas, which again, we'll talk about more um, yeah. uh, into the domain of be, you know active living, trying to live more actively, um, is because I saw this, uh, let's call it a big gap in what is available for people to learn a little bit more at another level about why it's so difficult to live a active life that not only just live an active life, but live an active life that, that they enjoy because, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people get tangled up in fitness journeys that are not enjoyable and are riddled with frustration. And so my philosophy, and we were talking about this just before we went on air is like, if I were to summarize it, I really look at our behavior, our decision-making, our, the choices we make in our fitness journey uh, are connected in sort of like a chain and one is and that chain really goes like um, culture the culture that we uh, are involved in the culture in which we live every day affects our mindset and our mindset affects our methods and our decisions uh, about health and fitness and to really understand our behavior understand ourselves we have to understand a little bit of the mindset that we're carrying around, but also that, and this is the level that I think isn't really part of the dialogue these days, we have to dip into the culture because mm -hmm. these days we face um, a lot of information to do with health and fitness. And a lot of it is packaged in a certain way that I argue, and this is part of what I say in the book, is it's not necessarily in our best interests when you think about what you're goals are as somebody who is trying to be active and at the very fundamental level that goal for everybody is is to be a little bit more active than we are mm -hmm. at a very fundamental level we want to be more active and so i break that down at these various levels and that's why i i i wrote feel like it um it has a lot of my personal experiences my per i have a lot of uh, personal reasons for for writing it but essentially there was just this missing conversation mm -hmm. and I wanted to write a book that would fit into that conversation and also you've heard people uh, say this too before about you know I want to write a book that I would like to read but I was I'll take it another step further I wanted to write this book in a, like I, I, I thought this is kind of the book that I needed when I was yep. 16 17 years old if I had this book when I was that age I would have, my journey would have been a lot different. Um, I would have made decisions a lot differently. 
And so I kind of looked like when I was writing the book, I kind of put that image in mind, like writing to myself a little bit, but I'm using all of these stories and this data from my, my field research. So, um, but the ultimate philosophy is culture affects our mindset and our mindset affects our, our methods and our decision-making around fitness. That's how it really breaks down. I love that you said that because, you know, um, I needed this book as well, <laughs> but I didn't have the book. However, I had you <laughs> because um, you're, you were doing some of this re research for the book when we met, I think, um, like in 2007. Yeah, that would have been about the start of a yeah. lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 2007, 2008, I was very overweight at the time we were coaching. We were working together um, as a coach, mentor, sports psychologist through the Ontario Sports Centre. And um, and yeah, so this, the impacts of you working through the book, how what that had on me and how I was able to change my mindset based on the fit by feel or finding your feel, it's actually like a lot of the work you had done was planting seeds along the way for me. So it was very impactful. So like this book, I think, like you said, fills a gap, a huge gap. Like no one's really talking about this in this language. Language is so important right now in understanding the definition of of the language we're using because we all define things a little bit different. We've talked about that before. And honestly, I last week I talked about what motivates me um, and this book and you and your philosophies have a lot to do with how I stay motivated. Like I referenced you several times. Those of you guys listening, um, that heard what I talked about last weekend. Um, I'm, I'm super stoked that we now have Kelly here to <laughs> expand on that. But um, I do, with this Feel Like It book, I want to start a little bit with that motivation piece because that's something a lot of people are struggling with, especially this time of year. Um, I, I did reference how you spoke about how... Um, New Year's resolutions are starting to drift away. Things are coming, becoming a little bit mm -hmm. more challenging. It's going to be summer. People are thinking about their summer bodies. Um, and one of the exercises that you, you have as a freebie on your website is, um, do you need a motivation makeover? Yes. So but... that in itself, I love that. Do you need a motivation makeover? Um, the first, so there's, there's five steps, sort of like five little questions. And I just want you to like, sort of talk about these. Yeah. I mean, the context for that is, um, I think when we're going back to our day-to-day -day lives and we're swimming in this culture and, and, and there are, I wanted to, to offer people something that could give them a little more self-awareness about what's happening to them and, and the little signs yeah. that are, I say signals and not, you know, when we go through them which I think we're about to do. I, it's not that if you feel this way, oh, you're doomed. It's just that <laughs> if this is sort of a chronic part of your experience with physical activity, yeah. then something's up. And then I think it's time to ask some different questions to try and get you, let's say, back on track so that you are feeling like exercising more or more attracted to the idea of going out there and, and exercising. So... Um, that's why I offer this yeah. on my website is I want, I want people to have like, okay, let me see where I'm at. Yeah. So it's interesting because I read through these and <clears throat> there's five that you just kind of listed and I've 
sort of felt these things in my own way, but maybe you can expand on them a little bit. Just like quickly, yeah. So the first one is you rarely feel like it. Yeah, that's the biggest one. I mean, the, re the reason why I even titled the book Feel Like It is because I look at that feeling and we've all had it, whether it's fitness or something else, right? Yeah. It could be going to work or whatever, a hobby. We got a puzzle here. Like, <laughs> man, after work, I really feel like puzzling. That feeling is something magical, right? And I call that like, uh, the, the holy grail of motivation is that when you're not doing the thing or you start thinking about the thing um, in fitness, it could be anything, right? Yeah. You feel like doing it. You get that, that nice anticipation that you're, you're eager to it. So um, when that you, when, when people are right in the, in the middle of their fitness journey, and this happens a lot in January because people like storm the gyms and they got yeah. the resolutions is that they have ambitions and they've got a lot of this energy and we can go down that road a little bit later. Um, but eventually, if they don't align their goals with the activities that they're choosing, again, all of that mindset and method thing yeah. stuff, then eventually they'll start. start. And I've been there too. I, see, I, I, I talk about these things because I know them. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, you'll start um, that feel like it feeling, that anticipation uh, dwindles and dwindles and dwindles if it was there at all. And so right. one of the major signs, this is why it's the top of the list, one of the major signs is when you think about like, oh, I've got, I've planned to go for uh, a run or go to the gym on Saturday or Sunday or whatever. Yeah. And then you go like, uh, and over time, uh. yeah, you kind of like, <laughs> you know, it just like, it just doesn't turn you on in any way anymore. That's a pretty big sign that, okay, something's up. It doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong oh, with you, right. but something might be up if this is something that persists over time. Gotcha. Okay, the next one is, your tricks aren't working. Yeah. <laughs> this well, one was funny to me yeah. because I play these like little mind tricks to get myself yep. doing certain things, or at least I have in the past. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there, but yeah. No, and what that's your... a good one because like, I mean, I've used them too. And, and um, so what I mean by tricks, so the tricks that you're, these are the things that you kind of uh, include in the, the, the fitness experience to try and get you through a workout or even maybe get you to a workout. Like mm -hmm. uh, you've got that one playlist that you've spent some time mm -hmm. organizing and then you, 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 uh, it's really great for the first three, four weeks and now it's getting a little boring and it's like, Oh, I, it doesn't really yeah. add to the experience anymore. Or um, you, you have tricks like, well, if I, you know, if I finish this workout today or if I finish my 10 K run, then I'll, you know, I'll reward myself with, uh, you know, having a treat or something like that. So you start using these little tricks just kind of to tease yourself to get your, to get you through the workout. And at some point, just like that feel like a feeling, these things run their course. And there's only so many tricks you can pull out of the hat. Yeah. And before you're kind of like, oh, you're left with you and the activity and which is ultimately the relationship that's going to matter in the end anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Um, you get moody when you measure. This is a huge one. Um, and it's something that certainly I can relate to too on a personal level, but fitness is, uh, it's been so medicalized and it's, it's such, there's such a science behind it now that the numbers and the metrics are part and parcel of the fitness experience. So you can't go to the gym without some form of you know your 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 treadmill calorie counts yeah your, you're your, quantifying somehow yes. yeah, yeah yeah exactly and if 
you are looking at the numbers, the scale, for example, if you're using as a scale as a way to monitor how well you're doing and that number doesn't align with what you hope it is, guess what's going to happen? That's going to influence how you feel right then and there and probably persist again for days and maybe weeks. It can be a very big obstacle. And so if you are using these measures and these are part of how your mindset towards uh, moving and they're making you uh, moody, as I say, um, more than they actually are, are feeling, giving you motivation, yeah. then you're probably something's again, and one of these are signs, right? Then something is probably off with the way you are oriented motivationally. Yeah. So motivationally, when you're, you become emotional, um, from these measurements, that is a sign that maybe things need to shift in, in some way, shape or form that it's really interesting because I, that happens to me. Um, more often than not that this is the one thing that kind of resonates with me the most is when I'm moody when things don't go my way and I don't know like (laughs) that's just in life in general (laughs) I get moody when things don't go my way in other areas of my life but that one I was like "Mm, I really like that it was really good okay I have a four-year-old yeah so I know okay that that, that is yeah I'm not putting you on the same level as her But maybe something you want to work on a little bit okay. more. We, we got to call Yoda. Yeah, we, I need yeah. a makeover. Okay, uh, the four. Number four is you focus on the finish. Yeah, so if you're locked into um, uh, a routine uh, or particular activities in there and every time you start, or let's say every time, a lot of the times, again, these are yeah. not absolutes. Sure. A lot of the time, once you start, going you're kind of like oh i can't wait for this to be over maybe it's a spin class maybe it's whatever a boot camp class and you're kind of like 10 15 minutes in you're kind of like okay um i'm ready for this to be over or if you're doing um you know even if you're doing a plank and you set a goal of doing a plank for a minute or 90 seconds and and halfway through you're like oh i can't wait for this this to be over if you're always looking for the finish line that might be as i say in the book quite a bit that might be um a a an area where that you can work on to either manage the intensity with what you're, how you're approaching these things. Okay. Or it might be that the thing you're doing is not the best fit for you in a, in a larger sense. So right. again, you know, there's no absolutes here, but there, that's why I chose, I chose that one. So if you're always looking to like, oh, you start to run like, oh, I can't wait in 30 minutes when this is over. I'm just doing this, you know, to get to the finish. That's a sign to me. That's a very big sign. Right, so you're not enjoying the process of the activity that you're doing. Right, exactly right. Okay. Um, the last one, do you need a motivation makeover, is you have wandering eyes. Yeah, so this is, this is another one that, and the, these things all really feed off each other if you think about it. So um, when you think like you don't feel like it, you don't feel like, you know, you've been, let, let, let's put it in the scenario that you're, you know, January joiner. You've joined a gym. You are dedicated, at least mentally, to running on the treadmill a couple times a week, lifting weights, and you know, a, a very common kind of approach uh, in the new year. Um, and you know, you you don't feel like doing it as as time wears on, which is a as a common signal. But then you start your eyes start wandering to like, well, instead of go on Saturday. I'm going to the gym. I'm like, well, you know, I really that all of a sudden that movie I've I've favored it in, in Netflix. I want to I want to watch or other uh, more sedentary alternatives start coming into focus. Like, 
you know, what could I be doing? And if I'm not going to go to the gym, what do I, I, what do I really, you know, want to do? Right. It's like, I want to do something that's inactive. And it doesn't necessarily mean that like, oh, you're, you're lazy or whatever. Again, that's not my, that's not what I say at all in the book. I, 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 I do not classify, if you don't feel like it, that means that you're lazy at all. It just means that something needs to be rejigged um, and got to stop blaming ourselves. that if you feel that way, it's just that we can look at that a little bit more deeply and find out why your eyes start wandering, why right. you stop, stop feel liking it. And, and that's, okay, so let's get into this book because uh, we, everyone has their own definition of what fit means I believe it ranges I see taglines all over the place I see um uh I hear fitness trainers I see fitness magazines uh, IG I spend a lot of time on Instagram I'm seeing a lot of people motivating I motivate myself um in my own way so my definition of fitness and self-love and activity and what I want to feel like and how to get that is different so do you see where I'm going with this Mm -hmm. so we all so um in this book, um, let me just find the page. Or actually, um, because everyone has different theories, let's myth bust here a little bit. Sure. Um, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot about. I do a lot of that on my podcast. It's one of my focuses on on uh, the podcast is taking ideas, taking you know things we take at face value. Yeah. Even the word fitness, it's one of my first episodes, one of my earliest episodes, I talk about fitness. Yeah. And I break it down and say like, hey, you know, maybe we're looking at, we can look at this from a different angle that works better for you than what has worked up until now. Yes. So like you also kind of call it misguided methods in some, and that's the title of one of the chapters in your book, Misguided Methods. So because... I, I grew up with the belief that, you know, no pain, no gain, that style of thing, like being fit hurts and it's hard and you got to work hard and all of these things. And that might fit into somebody's feel analysis, like how they want to feel or whatever. But for me like that, when things get hard, um, my motivation is now stemmed from something else. However, culturally, let's go back to the culture. Um, on page 29 here, you talk about when quitters win. And you say, dispensing yet another false choice. A personal trainer once told me, you can have results or excuses, but not both. This message echoes across the fitness world. The pain mindset is unified by a narrow version of success based on a small collection of goals evaluated in the same way. This makes us more like products on an assembly line than unique and complex people requiring personalized attention. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time composing yeah. that sentence sure. um, because there's a lot of moving parts to it. But really, at the end of the day, um, w- there's a lot of directions to take this. And before we went, you know, before we actually started recording, I was saying like how there's so many layers to this. And every, yeah. almost every, oh, every so often something comes along like, oh, it opens things up. And one thing that when we talk about fitness and fitness culture, one thing we have to recognize um, I'm a critic of fitness, the fitness industry, but it doesn't mean that the whole fitness industry is wrong or flawed. Sure. But one of the things just by default that the fitness, fitness industry is, is it has this idea of, you know, we are offering you value by solving a problem. And one of those problems 
tends to be, uh, you know, you would like to get from A to B and you want to be as fast as you can um, to, to do so. And, and that fix it focus ends up being um, very un, you know, impersonal in a lot of ways. And so results, the results in, in a, a fitness context usually means weight loss, usually means changing a number, something yeah. you can see. Totally. Um, something, yeah, something that is aesthetic that it tends to be the norm. That doesn't mean that there are cases where that is not the case, that results are redefined, but as a whole, the fitness industry being a market enterprise, a capitalistic enterprise, they, you are a customer. Yeah. And if you look at fitness the way that they want you to look at fitness, you will be a consuming customer. And in that chapter, Misguided Methods, I kind of tie all of these things together in that the way, the things that the fitness industry values and teaches and preaches, um, which is sort of the default setting for most people's pursuit of, of better health and, and, and fitness, those things are um, not necessarily in our best interest because there's a, and I don't say this specifically, but there's a big profit motive behind yeah, it. Yeah, sure, 100%. Um, so what does that mean? In that chapter, I really break down the, the, the methods that I think people don't necessarily question and doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong. Again, like goal setting is one of them. Yeah, okay, exactly. I Okay, no, continue. No, no, it, go ahead. Goal, goal setting, and that's uh, what I picked up a lot in here is you talk about the pain mindset. You, we've talked about the tale of two mindsets and now we it might be the tale of two questions, like goals versus feel. And the, the marketing behind all the fitness experts today is all goal-oriented, or at least, I don't know, all the things that I'm exposed to is all goals, goals, goals versus this feel. So you're bringing in this feel piece. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in the book, actually, I'm going to refer to it again on page 45, you say, you quote William Shakespeare, actually, and say, uh, nothing is either good or bad, thinking makes it so. In the end, the pain mindset is an egoic game in which people keep investing in the same thoughts, beliefs, or stories. It's mental warfare. Well, excuse me, it's mental warfare. Our attachment to certain thoughts and our trust in the ego's opinions are the culprits. That is like huge to me. So talk about the pain mindset um, and what what that means. Investing in the same thoughts, beliefs, and stories. Well, let's go back quickly to what you mentioned, kind of the tale of two things here yeah. and, and the relationship between goals and um, I said two questions. Yeah. So implicit to the idea that goals are the most important thing to your fitness journey is like, is that life will feel better when you achieve this goal. And we all, we've all achieved goals and pursued goals. And yes, it's great when we achieve them. I, and so that's why the fitness industry um, puts that question right at the start. Because yeah. if you walked into any gym in January, it doesn't matter any sort of, uh, if you, if you make contact with the fitness industry and you're just at the start of your journey, you're going to be asked in some place, what's your goal? That's the first question that comes out mm -hmm. of uh, someone's mouth. And um, I say like, that's not necessarily a bad question. I'm saying the timing of it is absolutely horrible and we have to question the timing of it. And so mm. my case that I make, and probably one of my, 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 my most robust cases against anything is that 
fitness can feel good now. You don't have to wait till later after you achieve a goal. You can go out and have an experience that is motivating, that is even transformative now, regardless of whether you achieve a goal. You don't have to earn that. Mm. That is available to you. But when it says, that quote you said about the personal trainer saying you can have results or excuses and not both, really it's that mindset is like, well, everything has to be warfare. And once I win the war, which is achieving the goal, whether that's a personal best or losing X amount of pounds, then I can be happy. Then my ego, my whatever that dialogue is in my head, will relax and it will give me permission to finally feel the way I want to feel. Ah. And and I say, um, the case I make, which I I think you're getting to too, is that that the ego wants you to do that. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it wants you to, but the, the, the real value, the real awesome part about physical activity is how it unlocks all these other things in the moment as you get them. And the pain mindset is to think how you feel doesn't matter when you go out and do a run. That'll come later. We'll take care of how you want to feel later. How you feel doesn't matter. And that mindset is filled with self-judgment, self-sacrifice. Yes. It's it's that... All um, to achieve a goal. Yeah. And the idea like no excuses, just, you know, Uh, show up and, you know, whether you're sick, whether you're hurting, whether whatever, you, you know, just show, you know... And I'm a big proponent of, you know, trying to get people to show up on a regular basis. So this is a very important behavior, right? But to do it by guilting yourself or having your ego guilt yourself into doing it is really creating um, a problem down the road. And I I have to kind of circle back to everything. Like my philosophy uh, in that, you know, our mindset, sorry, you know, the culture that we're a part of, including what we just described, fitness culture being a, a huge part of our day-to-day life and then our mindset and then our behavior, a big part of that is, you know, what's sustainable? Because at the end of the day, a lot of the things that fitness culture is in this whole goal setting, um, you know, the idea that goal setting is a misguided method Mm -hmm. is that we're not really taking care of you and trying to get you ready for the next five years. We're more looking at like the next five weeks or 50 days or something like that, right? Because if you get that result in 55 days, then I can say, well, that was worth it. That was worth the $300 in personal training or worth the membership. And that's where they've placed the value. But I say the value, I I look at the value in terms of the long-term relationship with fitness over years and years and years. And we're not being taught that in today's today's fitness culture. We are not being taught the skills. Mm -hmm. And part of the obstacle to that is by always asking people, what's your goal right at the start. Always coming back to, you gotta have a goal, what's your goal? What's your goal? Yeah, and I yeah. just I just finished a um, interview last night, which will be on my podcast, um, with a person who is very goal-driven by most accounts, but her goals and the feeling she wants to create through through uh, running, she's a runner, um, align so perfectly, Some one of the most perfect alliances that they can work together, but she doesn't sacrifice you know, she prote- I say she protects the bond that she's built with running and she won't sacrifice it to just, for, you know, to, to reach a goal. Um, okay. And, and so these things can work together. But right now we self-sacrifice to reach goals. We say, you know, it doesn't matter if, if I run on the treadmill for half an hour and it absolutely sucks the whole time. What matters is I burn the 400 calories and that allows me to get a little closer to my goal. Mm-hmm. Or it allows me to get a little faster in my training when you might be torching the relationship as you do that. So 
you know, and we can talk about how that, you know, we actually, in fact, the, the, the conversation you and I had on our podcast, um, which was a high performance hangover, we really touched on that. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's the legacy of having a, uh, no pain, no gain focus, a focus that is very goal centered, but really self-sacrificing. Like, what is the legacy of that? Well, there is a legacy and it complicates the relationship with fitness later. It, it really can. And I'm trying to clarify this by saying like some of these methods um, goal setting particularly are really misguided. They're perhaps even misinformed or we are getting misinformed about what their real value and their real, how, how we can use them better in our, in our journeys. Yeah. And that just really like makes you, um, one of the most unique experts in sustainable fitness essentially that I've ever met or had a discussion with because it isn't. And it's very interesting too, because yes, uh, we learn, uh, we talk, you, if you, Google, how do I get fit or whatever, um, personal training, going to the gym. Those are like the classics. Like if you want to be fit or have a good fitness program, go see a trainer. But where I, I, I really enjoy following you on Instagram because you're always like, Hey, what activity do you like to do? And it's not always the gym. I, people like to, you know, go skating on the canal or go skiing or go for walks or, uh, there's like, so many things that people are interested in doing that is still classified as fitness and is, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that classic going to the gym and lifting weights. Absolutely. That like, look, if you're, if you're trying to solve a problem, which is again, this is what, you know, today's market society is you got a problem, you got to solve it. Yeah. And people pay money and consume fitness in order to do that. Well, the consumption of fitness is primarily through institutions like you know gyms and yoga studios and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but there's this whole world yeah and i write about it in the book in one of the chapters later uh the family you choose which is really a i touch base whoops i touch base on um you know free community fitness yes so social fitness that you don't have to pay for or you pay very 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 little if if you want to say that and and that are done, a lot of this stuff is done um, actually outside. Yeah. And this is a movement, you know, a movement movement. <laughs> this is a movement that is gaining <laughs> a lot of steam. And I've happened to spend a lot of time yes. in groups like this and not studying them, but as a participant. And of course, I'm, you know, analytical, so I notice things and whatever. But this is really, this is sort of my um, sanctuary for fitness because it's very social. It's very lighthearted. Yes. Uh, it's non-judgmental. These groups that we have, uh, particularly in Ottawa here. But there are so many other options. And so when I am looking at, okay, how do we perform a motivation maker makeover? Part of this is the creating an ecosystem um, that goes beyond what you would automatically think. If I asked you to think, when you think about fitness, what are the images that come to mind? There, There's very, I mean, it's very narrow. It's very narrow. People will think about, you know, a, a gym, lifting yeah. weights, a treadmill, maybe running outside. I mean, yeah. it's pretty limited. But, you know, I just listed three or four, maybe if, uh, you know, a, a, a exercise class. But there's so many other things that are out there, particularly on the outdoor side of things, uh-huh. that... Uh, can just just blow the door wide open. And so when I'm saying like, you know, if we're going to make a sustainable change and this be part of your lifestyle, you have to decompartmentalize it, get things out of these, out of gyms. And there might be things that fit you in a gym. Like, I mean, like a yoga studio. Yoga is a big fit for me. Yeah. Um, That's okay. But that's only one little slice. And so the more diversity 
of things that you can align with that fit you. And, and those, and a lot of those can be free or very, yeah. very low cost. The, the better chance that you have, because, you know, I'm jumping, I know you're going to get into this, but one of the things that, you know, on the pragmatic side on the practical side and the planning side is then if you have a basket of things that really fit you, you can make better decisions based on what you feel like doing. And if you, if you only go to the gym, let's just say, and you work on the, the elliptical, and I know this is kind of like most people don't do this, but I know there are enough people who do this. And one day you don't feel like doing it. It becomes a binary decision. I'm going to move today or I'm not. And if I don't feel like it, I'm not. But there's a ladder that you can build. And this is what I do with people yeah. is what are the things on your ladder? I, you know, the top thing that I usually like to do, the elliptical, well, what's something else? All I can you know, go for a jog in the neighborhood. I like that too. Or do a yoga uh, session at home. And we build a ladder of like, well, if I can't do this, then I'll do this. Do I feel like doing that? Yeah, kind of. Or, but I really feel like doing, you know, option three. Mm -hmm. Then that's what you should do. Um, this This is how you build a bond with your body, a positive bond with your body. And that it's not about the pain mindset, but it's, it's capitalizing on the most motivation, one of the most strongest motivational states you have which is that feel like it feeling you rarely if ever have a bad experience if you go and do something that you really feel like doing right but we don't yeah. we don't we don't capitalize it on that and that's of course that's why i wrote this, this right book. okay so on page 78 under it's uh the title the motivation menu i think this is in the chain the game uh changing the game chapters um when you find the right activity and do it under the right conditions there is a pleasing resonance In essence, positive resonating experiences have a powerful magnetic effort that draws the oil back over and over again. By contrast, when there's a mismatch, uh, discord happens. The fodder for indifference or outright avoidance. That's like, this is exactly sort of what you're talking about. And then you go on to continue that. I actually flagged this page because of the avoidance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the word avoidance, Mm -hmm. because Oftentimes, I guess I didn't realize that when I don't feel like doing something, I avoid it. Like it's a conscious, it's, I'm consciously avoiding something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I wanted you to, I wanted you to speak to that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, uh, how would I uh, put it in the, uh, in the, the five signs, uh, piece that your eyes wander. Yeah. You know, you start kind of like that avoidance side of you is kind of like, what can I do to occupy myself instead of doing (laughs) X? Right. And and that laundry list can be huge. And so what goes to this attraction idea, right? Like attraction avoidance. And it just, I like to keep things simple without oversimplifying. But essentially, when we look at um, our relationship with fitness, just like with relationship with people, with friends, with intimate relationships, you know, it's about attraction and avoidance. You try, yeah. you know, at least you, you <laughs> I think, I think people generally want to you know, avoid the people that they are not attracted to. I'm not necessarily physically, but you know, that are bad for them or and that sort of thing. And then they, you know, they align themselves with things that are attractive and those are healthier relationships and whatnot. And so in fitness, that feeling really matters. And so if you're feeling avoidance, then that's just, again, a, a sign that something is up that you could easily dig a little bit deeper and, 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 and get to the bottom of. But the attraction is really important. The loyal, the people who I, and again, I'm going to go back to an interview because it's really fresh in my mind. I did last night. It's very clear when you talk to somebody who's loyally active, even if it's like one thing, um, like a, you know, a lifer, a runner who's a lifer, been doing yeah. it for decades, right? You, you, 
you get even the energy from the conversation of how attracted they are to like it's part of them it's yeah. such a big part of them that they can't see themselves uh being without it's like a marriage that's why i keep using this analogy it's like a it's like a happy marriage mm-hmm. and that attraction is there is it every day the you know like you know super attracted versus you know there it varies but it's always there it will always win out in the end when you have that strong relationship with yeah. with fitness so there is that pendulum swing in all areas of their relationship however yes if there's I, love there there's if, love there if there's a love let's not even go that far as love if there's a like yeah just it doesn't have to be dramatic and like it's super passionate or whatever if there's just a like that's the fodder for a resonating uh relationship there's a there's a harmony and i mean again we can go into all different directions on that but essentially that's the one of the key things from the loyally active people versus not people think well the loyally active people have all this willpower and they're disciplined and to some degree that comes into play but that's nothing if it's not if that's it's it's useless unless there's something more powerful that is almost compelling them and that magnetism i i, I talk about and the people who have got an active life or they're very married to one like you know they're married to one thing really talk about how it makes them feel when they run mm-hmm. and like the woman I, uh, her name is Jessie by the way who I interviewed yesterday and having the right goals to go on top of that just makes things better yeah. and that's the a big difference okay so in this book one of my favorite things we're kind of going in a, a semi different direction not too much but I really enjoy the language that you use because it is against the culture in a lot of ways of um, how different words are defined. So redefining things. For example, redefining discipline. On page 99, you say, under the pain mindset, discipline is characterized as a self-sacrificial badge of honor. But discipline, by definition, is about staying accountable to a code of behavior. Along the way, the fitness um, industry complex has implored you to adapt to one of its codes. Okay, and you continue going um, into the discipline thing. So I have a couple of words and I'd like you to um, talk about what they mean, like what your definition. Feels like a game show. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your definition uh, with with the feel mindset, like... Uh, as a foundation, what these words mean. Okay, so discipline. Let's let's continue with that one. Um, so this is again, this is a, a, a topic I gave a whole uh, episode of my podcast, decoding discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, discipline. What we're going to end up talking about with probably all the words, although I don't know what all the ones you're going to bring up, um, is if the language that the fitness industry has um, adopted or uses. You have to understand that they want to use that language for their benefit first and foremost okay now in a capitalist society of course it behooves them that they use it in a way that benefits you and solves a problem because that's what we but got to be very careful there are some things that the fitness industry does because it knows it can't solve certain problems like for example and i'll get to discipline in a minute they know well actually it ties right in they know that um they that you and i and most people cannot stay disciplined to a regular routine very long, disciplined to their code, right? Uh, They know this, so they have to use contractual obligation in order to survive as a business today. And this is a very cynical position 
that, that uh, the, the fitness industry takes is like, well, we know that, you know, in a few months that um, you're not going to stick around. So we're going to make you uh, commit or be disciplined, more disciplined through your wallet. And again, that's just the way things are. Now, does that make, hmm. and when I say that to people, some people, people actually get upset by that. Not necessarily at me, but like, they're like, oh, you know, but this is just the model that they've adopted to, uh, to adjust to this pattern of behavior that people can't sustain fitness that, that doesn't fit them. So going back into discipline. So as a part of that, we still keep on um, following the code of behavior that we kind of broke into before, which was, you know, you, um, you set goals, you really don't care that much about how you feel to get there. It still really follows this archaic, no pain, no gain approach. And if you get the goal, we don't really care if you've even damaged your relationship with fitness. As long as you get the goal, we can say, hey, but look, um, you stay disciplined and you've got this reward, even even though you didn't really learn any sustainability skills. Right. So discipline to me is, well, discipline by definition is being um, obedient. And it's often uh, and in the definition, as I talk about in my podcast is, is um, obedient or risk punishment. But the thing that we end up doing when we try and be self-disciplined is then discipline becomes about self-punishment. And mm-hmm. That's ridiculous when going back to what we talked way earlier about how awesome and how transformative and how fulfilling and all you name it healthy. You can put healthy in there. It is to just have a fitness experience that is the right fit for you. And so the, what I challenged with discipline is like instead of following the code that we, you know, it's 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 not explicit. It's not something that they're going to say, here's our code, sign up here, whatever. It's just, this is what the culture is. The default code is this goal chasing, self-sacrificial and quite judgmental and very comparative. I should add on top of that, mm-hmm. comparatively others and ask yourself, what is my code? What is the code that I, if I follow it, I'm going to live a more fulfilling, satisfying and healthy life, happier mm-hmm. life. What would be the things I need to adhere to, to do that. Now you brought up for you and particularly before we went on air about how you have really gone this process of discovery about self-love, um, self-compassion, and this has taken on a meaning for you and you really look through the filter and that's great. You have developed through a lot of experiences, like a wide range, some really great and some like, you know, kind of the rock bottom side of things too of how you, from this you've taken this like what is it that really suits me what's the code that really that's my code and then we say okay discipline has a completely different i want to stay disciplined and i'm holding myself accountable yeah. to my own code that i know is in my best interests the fitness industry's code doesn't necessarily isn't like uh, let's put it another way it may be good for you but it's good it's not good for most people right so it could work for you but that's more an accident mm-hmm. than it is purposeful because it's a lot harder for people to kind of come up with their own code. And in my book, I kind of challenge that. Come mm-hmm. up with like, and in that podcast, what is the code? What are the things that you think you need to do that really fit what you need and how you want to feel? And I love how you've kind of gone into the self-love thing mm-hmm. and, and you've started to define it, reflect on it. And that's what I see as a process of like, oh, okay, this other way hasn't been working. And I've got all the evidence I need with how I've you know, my mental, my physical health, whatever. And to say like, I need to do something different. And it might not be what we're fed in today's culture, at least popular culture. You've kind of gone in other places to to find and piece it together. 
Amazing. Okay. The next word, and this this is um, something that I hear all the time when people are talking about motivation. I just want your thoughts on the word willpower. When you have willpower, what does that mean? Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot, again, there's a lot of different directions. The, the way I like to talk about willpower is willpower shouldn't be a lifestyle. It should be a tool. And if you are doing what I just described about um, developing a code of behavior that really aligns with who you are and mm -hmm. staying disciplined and accountable to that, holding yourself accountable, which is a very mature thing, a wise thing, um, then you won't need willpower as often. You won't need to pump up your tires um, to go out and get out the door and be active, not as often. And so, but there are, um, so if we go back into the, the, the pain mindset, the no pain, no gain, self-sacrificial sort of mindset, willpower is a key skill. In fact, it, it is almost a lifestyle. Um, willpower becomes a lifestyle that fitness becomes this war that you have to con constantly convince yourself to go and do in the face of other options. And willpower is essentially choosing something that you might, might not want to do you don't want to do in the face of all these other options options that you would want to do the more resonating fitness that you include in your routine the more those other sedentary options lose their power Got, yeah so gotcha. so willpower then becomes i would say the willpower button if you go through uh if you've gone if you've gone ahead and and said like what are the activities and and the things that are even beyond the gym that don't fit me and you create this basket of things that 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 fit me and you build this ladder of like, well, I don't really feel like going on elliptical. That was the example we used before, right? I don't want to feel, feel elliptical. What do I feel like? Well, I don't, you know, I got, I could do yoga. I don't feel like, well, I'm going to go for just a walk. I'm like, great. Um, you've done that, but there's some days where you go down that ladder and it's like, mm. <laughs> now it's okay. I always say this and I say this several times in the book. If you don't feel like it, that's okay. If you don't do it, but now, here, here comes willpower as a tool you can use rather than a lifestyle. <laughs> now you can push that willpower button and say, okay, do you want to go and suck it up and drag yourself out there and go for that run even though you really don't feel like it? It might be less of an ideal run, but it could be a great run. You don't know. You might feel great after all these things we, that we know. Like, you know, there's a lot of benefits to, the, to, to do that, to doing that. Um, now, but now you can go and make that choice and, and push that button. Right now. And, I, and I tell people, use it judiciously, you know, and, and I do this myself too. Like, um, there are, and, and, I, and I look at willpower and I'm going to take it one more level for, for the listeners too, is I look at willpower a little bit differently too, or at least I add a little more detail to it. Willpower is really, um, an alarming thing to me. If you've got to rely on it to start an activity mm. and, if you are always feeling like you got to push that button almost every day to go to the gym to whatever it is, or you are you just pushing it in so often that you just like you're getting a little frustrated, uh, which is kind of normal, um, then it's time to question right whether you need to re-kick your motivation and give it a little uh, like I say a makeover. But it's different than if you are let's say like you run. How many times have you gone on a run and you're like, okay, I'm going out for 10k because that's what I do. In the last K, the last whatever, five, six minutes, seven minutes of your run is starting to kind of like, oh, right? Now you're going like, I could stop and walk it, which that's entirely up to you. I have no judgment if you do that. But if you kind of like, I feel like challenging myself and looking looking at, you know, a little bit of pain or straight in the eye, 
again, you, you know, you're doing something that you love is totally up to you. This is be, be a mature person. You make those decisions. If you want to go and push the willpower button there and say, I'm going to grind it out for the last five, 10 minutes. And uh, I'm, that's how I'm going to choose to use willpower. It's very different. Very than, different. Than if you're going to use willpower just to get out there and run in the first place. Okay. So, yes. because when you're finishing that run and you're, you're getting all the sensation and it's overwhelming or whatever, and you're going like, oh, and that voice in your head says, so just stop and it'll go away. Um, you're still choosing just by definition of willpower. You're choosing a more attractive alternative to keep doing something that you may not necessarily want to do. But I always say that's up to you. That's up to you whether you, you use it at that point. And, um, but again, it's how it's deployed is really mm-hmm. the biggest uh, indicator of whether your relationship with fitness is on a healthy course or a, a positive course, let's just say. Okay, so on the course, talking about the course, um, finding your feel or trying something new, talk to me about change because change to me in the fitness industry holds a little bit of resistance. I was going to say the word resistance, but I'm saying the word change because uh, people, their beliefs are sort of like a box, if you will. When they have to step outside of that box, that means they have to change what they believe about mm. fitness. Do you see where I'm going? Yep. Do you understand where I'm going with so, this? So, I don't spend a lot of time. I mean, I don't think I really explicitly talk about this in the book, but uh, it's in there. And mm. I feel like it's in there, like blanketing. Yeah. It's like a yeah. blanket. So, of- here's what I think about change in this context. I think change is a shedding, and. Uh, Ooh, change is a shedding. It's a shedding of the the stuff we've accumulated from fitness ah, culture. That's so good. Okay. And let me add some context there. I've got, I've got a little kid. She's almost four in a few weeks. Yeah. And um, I've got a couple of dogs. And I spend a lot of time with my dogs and my kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably more than adults these days. <laughs> at least at least socially. And uh, I'm kind of a big kid myself too. So that all works out. But there's something about being around. Uh, these beings that has given me a lot of uh, data to kind of go by to, to say what I just said about it being shedding because um, animals or at least dogs don't have any ego little right. kids don't have any ego they're living in the moment they're they, living in the moment yes. and that might be kind of cliche but it is so true that every time I go and walk the dogs and see them be complete doofuses and beat each other up and run through and free and have that dorky look on their faces it's like this yeah. is the best thing ever this is what I'm born to do thanks for letting us that kind of and being so grateful and all that stuff and my kid just sitting there engrossed uh, in a puzzle right like we got a puzzle on the table right here yeah which I am crushing by the way you yeah, have no, to pick you up the, you really gotta pick well up the there. slack on your side um, but even sitting there with a puzzle and doing it with her and watching her engage fully with yeah we have a goal to finish the puzzle but every little piece is just this neat little thing that she's 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 engrossed in and, and stuff like that. And so we start, I think that the, 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 the language I use around it in the book is really about kind of a natural state of mind. We start with this propensity to use play to learn and acquire skills. We wonder is so powerful, even with like my dogs are seven years old. They're not puppies anymore. They have that strong sense of wonder. Nature has given us these things, but culture um, and if I bring it back into fitness culture here, fitness culture has really, maybe not intentionally, um, not like these people are going, mm, we're going to control you we're like this. We're going to screw everybody. But this is what <laughs> the effect has been, is that yeah. we kind of have stifled this uh, this 
uh, particularly wonder to expand our horizons. I mean, every January we get bombarded with messages about go to the gym. That's where you're going to get healthy, lose the weight, get leaner yes. and fitter and all yes. that sort of stuff. So, you know, the idea of change is I think to shed all of that, to get into that natural state of mind, to then make decisions that really fit who you are in fitness. That might be going to the gym. I'm not going to argue that that might not be. Yeah. That might be running on a treadmill in the, in, in the winter when it's warm. That might be the best thing if you don't like running in, you know, when it's that's minus what, 30. That, that's I what I, exactly. I know. It, that that's is me. fine. You <laughs> yeah. know, as someone who runs all seasons, I know there are days where minus 30 is not happening or whatever. Um, but I still, can't, I still can't really run on the treadmill. I have a tough time doing that. That's just me, right? Or different. But it's taken a lot of data and a lot of reflection for me to be able to talk about that in the book about how there's this natural state of mind and when we ask the question of like well how do you want your fitness to feel instead of what's your goal we tap directly into that and i don't think it's any coincidence that when i started asking that question of people which is a key chapter in this book that people could they struggled to answer it and they struggled to answer it because how how in touch with that side are are we when culture has really or keeps kind of ambushing us and you know trying to keep us in that pain mindset so change i see again is that shedding of all of this to be able to uh draw upon this wisdom and answer questions we ask ourselves honestly that are not led by the ego's interests the ego's ambitions of of winning comparisons excuse me <coughs> winning you know, being better than someone, looking better than someone, looking yeah. thinner, all of those comparative things that the ego uh, gets us into. It's sort of free from that. And that's why I love, you know, that, that chapter about, you know, how is it did you want to feel? It really tells the story about how that's a tough question. And what happens when people start like, oh, okay, I think that's the start of change. It's not necessarily adding, yeah. it's taking away, and then you being in full control over your journey from that point of and and learning some new skills that I think uh, and it's not even necessarily learning new skills revisiting skills that we've had yes. when we were four and five and you know dogs have that you know they're letting their DNA they're letting their nature shine through into the world um so I, lo- I love this word shedding and I mean change even in this um hopefully this podcast uh will have people just even paying attention is a form of change like paying attention to these feelings like you say it's hard when you ask me how do i want to feel i didn't know i had mm. no idea and then i did start to pay attention and that was like enough to start growing this fruitful fitness relationship mm. uh, i like what you say here on page 101 you say people get stuck adding more effort to a broken system rather than creating a better one having a system based on your unique taste will make you feel like moving much more often. That feeling is key. Now that is definitely uh, um, something that we've talked about over the last like hour here. Um, but change, yeah. So I think I really like that. I really like that. It doesn't have to be a big change either, right? No, it absolutely. And sometimes little changes lead to big things down the road. So yeah. it's subtle. Um, yeah, and you know, going back into the broken system thing, it's like when we are the, the thing with again, I always come back to culture because it's so important. But the fitness yeah. culture and you know, general culture that we 
um, are part of, particularly this consumer culture part of things, is that if we, you know, uh, join a gym and we, you know, can't stick it, stick to it, it's our fault. We get into this cycle of self-blame that we right. don't have the work ethic, our willpower sucks. Yep. Um, and it's a character flaw for doing that when, as I say in that one book on, um, on uh, misguided methods, that, you know, that's a situation, when, that's when quitters win. If, if you are rejected by the, 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 the default setting, that is just data. You're, you're, and, and, and in a lot of respects, you're good. Congratulations. You're being, the universe is telling you, you know, that's just not for you. Because I fully believe that there are things out there that are not part of today's culture that are a fit for almost anyone that provide those resonant experiences that create that feel like it feeling that are transformative. And I've seen it, I've, I've experienced it myself personally, but I've seen it in so many other people. And uh, getting spit out by today's fitness culture is not uh, something to blame yourself for. And I, th I think that's actually a sign that I think most people need. They're like, okay, maybe I'm taking, I'm, 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 there's, there's, there's something I need to do differently. I feel like this conversation has so many nuggets in it for people to connect with. And like, even for me, like my perspective is shifting a little bit more. Like the more we talk about these things, the more we use language, like positive language and a feel-based language, um, uh, bringing awareness to how we're feeling, what we're doing, what are the consequences, what are the benefits, those types of things like within us, because you've said this many times, everyone's different and we all love or like or have relationships with fitness differently. I think hopefully this this has like started to shift other people's perspectives. Um, that's ultimately my goal. I, I'm, I'm actually like obsessed with this topic. I could talk about this topic. I think you could too. Oh, we yeah, could, we mean, can talk about this all day. This is like my favorite thing. And I feel like it's really in that it's, it's the fundamental, it's the, it's the foundation, um, to, to health and wellness mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. And, and I hope, I mean, this is going to sound like a pitch for the book, but no, if, pitch, you, if you're feeling it. like the, you know, the way the fitness, today's fitness culture just doesn't fit you, get, get this book. And, yes. and in fact, I've got on my website, if you go to Kelly Dell and my name is D O E L L kellydell.com slash Elisa, you can get the chapter that Elisa is in, oh, yeah. which is called lessons from the loyal. And that chapter is a really good snapshot into uh, a few cases uh, of people that really are, it's a big turning point in the book. It's a big turning point in, in this whole light, this whole idea of how we come to feel like it more often. So get that, uh, if you're, you just want to taste, but yeah, that's why I wrote the book. Amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to put that link up in the show notes as well as in the email. So anyone that's on my email list can get it. Um, and yeah, the book is called feel like it make over your motivation to move and live happily ever active and uh the podcast is happily ever active uh, the happily ever active podcast yeah and it's on itunes spotify all the all the things yep. and then kellydell.com is the other way we can reach you and connect with you um your instagram is kelly.dell d-o-e-l-l okay kelly.dell and then there's also the at um, Happily Ever Active Yes, podcast. the show. You can follow the show directly. And yes. we 
or we, I say I publish, I say we, me and my dogs publish every, <laughs> publish every Friday. I think that's the idea. So every Friday, a new episode comes out and there'll be one coming out this Friday. Um, and I tend to tackle, again, I, t- I try to tackle some conventional ideas that we don't question and, yes. and, and see how they might, if thinking about them a little differently can help us move forward in a more positive way. Mm, question. Oh, answering questions, get at asking the questions, having, having the awareness to ask the right questions. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for being on the show. I'm sure this won't be the last time. I uh, maybe next year we'll, <laughs> we'll reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, book me in advance Valentine's day every year almost. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Oh well, that was so fun. I love having conversations like that. They are so motivating. I wanna give a huge thanks to my guest, Dr. Kelly Dell. If you don't have his book, get it. Feel like it is the title, it is awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot and share it in your IG stories. Tag me and let's help spread the word. You could also head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. 